Thank you so much, Rob and Nick and worship team. Lead us in worship so well every week. Was well, a kid growing up, I loved Little League Baseball. Loved it. I, I come from a small town, middle of nowhere, Nebraska. And we were such a small town, we didn't even have a streetlight. You know, 800 people. We had corn and we had cows. Uh, but we also had a, a Little League Baseball field. It was like the, the field of dreams baseball field because right behind center field, we had a, a cornfield. I, I loved growing up playing Little League Baseball. And there's this, there's this one thing about Little League that just gets everybody excited. Everybody jumping out of the dugout, standing up in the bleachers, everybody hooting and hollering. You know what it is? It's, it's not a home run. It's a pickle. You know what I'm talking about? A pickle? You know, when a, a base runner is caught between two bases, you know, I'm, I'm standing here on second. The ball's hit. I take off. I'm running to third. I start rounding third. I'm going home. There it is, home, baby. And all of a sudden, the ball's thrown into the catcher, and now I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stopped. I can't run home. The, the catcher has the ball. So I turn back around and I go back to third, but then the ball goes over my head. And now the third baseman has the ball and I, I stop. I'm stuck. I can't go to third. And I love watching Little League pickle. I, I love the, this, this conflict between the two teams. The, the drama is building and, and the, the whole situation is so much fun. It stinks to be that kid caught in a pickle. Oh, it's terrible. I've been there, but it's, it's so much fun for everybody else to watch. I love a Little League pickle. Grab your Bible, open up to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to finish the story. We're going to see Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They're in a pickle. They're, they're caught in this terrible situation. Do, uh, do I bow down to the ground and, and worship this massive golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up? Or am I willing to go to the fire? Am I willing to, to die for what I believe in, instant death in the fiery furnace? We've seen in chapter 3 the, the conflict has been worsening. The, the severity of the situation is, is getting worse. The tension has been building throughout the chapter. But before we move on to see the outcome, to see what happens with these guys in the fiery furnace, I want to go back. I want to go back. Who are these guys? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. What, what's their story? You know, where do they come from? Who are they? What do we know about them? And what's going on in their mind right now as, as they're in this, this situation? What, what are they thinking about? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they are three covenant children. They, uh, they were Jewish children. They would have been raised in a, in a monotheistic home. There's only one God, and they would only worship one God. Uh, they would have been raised uh, in, the, in the culture of the Torah. They would have been taught the Old Testament, taught the laws, taught the commandments. They would fear and revere the, the power, the presence of, of Yahweh, their covenant God. And they were children of heritage, children of a rich history, forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, King David. And they had a special people group, a special part of their history, and, and leading up to a, the book of Daniel, we see three covenants in the Old Testament where God made contracts, where God made promises, where God made covenants with the people of Israel. Genesis 12, we see that God made a covenant with Abraham and promised Abraham that he would have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. And with these descendants, he would give them a, a promised land, a land of their own. Exodus 19, God makes a covenant with, with Moses and promises Moses that on the condition of, of your obedience, uh, of your loyalty, your faithfulness, I will protect you. I will bless you. I will defeat your enemies. 
And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God shows up, makes a covenant with King David, promises David that from now on forever, you are going to have a godly king as your descendant, a godly king reigning on the throne righteously and justly. These are good covenants to have if, if you're the people of Israel. And Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they are, they are God's covenant children. This is their heritage. This is their history. Uh, they grew up basing their life. Everything came to these three covenants and, and how they relate to God. Their DNA, their, their life story, is that they are God's covenant children. But now fast forward, 605 B.C., Israel, who's supposed to have a godly king on the throne, who's supposed to be blessed and protected, Israel, who's, who's supposed to have a land of their own, has now just been taken over by the most ruthless and wicked empire and king of the day. You know, the promised land that was promised to Abraham, it's been taken over by Babylon. The 12 tribes of Israel have been completely obliterated. The last remaining tribe, the tribe of Judah in the south, with the capital city of Jerusalem, it's been cut down from 250,000 people to now 20,000 people. King of Jerusalem, King Zedekiah, he was forced to watch his sons be slaughtered by King Nebuchadnezzar. He had to sit there and watch his own sons be killed and then after seeing that, his eyes were cut out, and he was bound in chains, taken as a captive, deported in exile back to Babylon. Now, I've got to be thinking, if I was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the king of Israel, if he just had his eyes cut out, and God didn't show up, God didn't intervene for him, man, I'm toast. What's going to happen to me? The king's going to have no mercy on me. That burning fire, that looks pretty hot. It's, it's getting worse. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they've been taken away from their homes, their families. They've been taken away from their heritage, their history. They are now slaves living in this foreign land, serving a pagan king. But it gets worse. Their home city, the capital city, Jerusalem, it's been torn down. Walls are destructed. The city's set on fire. And even the temple, the, the temple, the, the dwelling place of God has been destroyed. It's been robbed by King Nebuchadnezzar. And this is a big deal because in the Old Testament, the temple signified God's presence, God dwelling among his people in the inner room of the temple, the Holy of Holies. And so now for Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego to be taken away from their home city, to be taken away from their home temple, they are now literally taken away from the presence of their God. They're taken away from their God. It's not just they're missing their, their family, their homes, their country, their city. They are now missing the presence of their God. It's been taken away from them. It's been robbed and desecrated by Nebuchadnezzar. Well, it gets worse. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego are standing, are, are in the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar has this decree that as the band plays, everybody must fall down, bow to the ground, and worship this this golden image that he set up. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not only have they been taken away from all of these things, they are now forced with a decision, how far am I going to go for what I believe in? What am I going to do? The, the tension in chapter 3 has been rising. The, the conflict is getting worse. The, the severity of the situation is, is worsening, and they're, they're caught in this pickle. What are they going to do? Are, they can either bow down to the ground and, and worship, 
or they can burn in the fire. They, they can either deny their covenant God or they can die. If they want to keep their, their faith, they're going to be thrown into the red, hot, blazing, fiery furnace. And, and so they're faced with this question, how far am I going to go for what I believe in? Am I, am I going to bow or am I going to burn? Am I going to deny or am I just going to die? Am I going to keep my faith or am I jumping into that fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, faced with this decision, do I abandon my faith and compromise my, my covenant God or do I die? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they, they chose to live their life with conviction. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. See, theologically, they, they knew, verse 17, they, they knew God could save them. Uh, hypothetically, theoretically, there, there's a possibility. They knew the chance God can show up, God can save you the day, God can rescue us. But they also knew verse 18. They knew God's not obligated to save them. God does not have to save them. And I've got to think, if I was in their shoes, that based on their whole situation, the past couple of years, it's got to seem pretty dim. If God didn't show up for King Zedekiah and his eyes were cut out, why, why is God going to show up for us three? Why is God going to show up now? They knew it's possible, but and they had confidence, but I, I don't know how certain they really were. They, they were thinking, here comes death. This is it. There's nothing else. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. The expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, seven times. Heated as hot as it possibly can get, 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit, as, as, as hot as this fire can get, he ordered it. Verse 20, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. I've just got to imagine, like, what's going on right here? What's, what's going on in, in their minds as, as they're watching this, uh, this fire heat up? Uh, it's got to take time for it to heat up as, as hot as it can get. So they're watching as, as fuel is being added to the fire. They're, they're watching as these billows are, are pumping air into the fire. They're sitting there, they're, they're watching, and they're waiting. And what's going on in their mind is, as they see the outside of this furnace start getting hotter and hotter. And the thickening of the black smoke is, as it's rising, and, and there's this little crackle, and now it's growing into a roar and a roar. And the fire is getting louder and hotter, and they're starting to sweat. They're feeling the furnace. What's going on in their mind as they're, as they're watching this? And what's going on in everybody else's mind? There, there could have been hundreds. There could have been thousands of people here watching what's going on. What are they thinking? I wonder if some of them were, were friends from Jerusalem, uh, other boys from back in the dorm who were taken into captivity. What, what's their story? Did they, they sell out? Did they bow down? Are they now watching their friends being bound up like logs and about to be thrown into the fiery furnace? What's going on in their mind as they're watching this fire get hotter and hotter 
and the situation's worsening. The conflict is building. The, the tension is increasing. Verse 21. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was so urgent and the fire or the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, it's very clear, three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. The question here, what, what are your convictions? What are the things that have been built into your DNA, the, the things that make you you? What are your values, your beliefs, your pillars, the, the moral fabric, the fiber that holds you together? What is it about you that, that you will not back down from? You will refuse to compromise. You won't give up. You won't hide from. You won't sweep under the rug. What is it about you that you've built into your life that you're living for? What, what are your convictions? What are the things that, that you don't abandon? You, you refuse to compromise. You stand up for. What are the convictions that you've built into your life? We, we are depraved beings. We, we live in a fallen world and sin can be very enticing, and Satan wants nothing more than to trip us up and wreck the rest of our life forever. And so if we don't have these convictions, this DNA built into our person now, we're going to be reacting to the situation. But, but if we have convictions, we are able to choose to respond to our situation and what's going on and not just simply react. So what are your convictions? What, what, what is it that you are, are living for? After being married for six months, uh, my wife and I, we realized real quick, yeah, this whole marriage thing, yeah, it takes a lot of work. Uh, it, this isn't so easy. I mean, check the reality. The honeymoon is over, and uh, we are two different people trying to live together and make this thing happen. Well, six months into our marriage, I was in seminary, and I had this marriage and family class. And one of the, the projects in this class was, was building a, a list of goals, family goals, family convictions. This is the best thing that my wife and I ever, ever did our first year of marriage. We sat down and came up with 32 convictions that, that deform us, that define us, things that, that are built into our life, things like having dinner together as a family and encouraging each other, resolving conflict, serving Christ together, making a budget, never drinking alcohol, trying to have a date night, opening our home as hospitality for others. And now, you know, how are we doing three years into the marriage? There's still some of the stuff we stink at. But we have it on paper, right? And, and, and something that we've talked about, and we've agreed upon it. And it's something that, that we're actually working towards. It's something that, that we're trying to build into our marriage, trying to build into our family, trying to make a part of, of us. It's, it's our DNA. It's, it's becoming who we are. So what are your convictions? What are the things that you have built into your life that make you you and you're willing to stand for? Are you living for God with convictions or just reacting to all of your situations? Second, are you willing to stand for God as a confirmation of your faith? Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, uh, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I, I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth 
is like a son of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's so proud of himself. You know, he's just made this, this massive, this monstrosity of a golden image, 90 feet tall. You know, at his cue, the band plays and thousands of people bow down and worship. He, he's overheated his furnace, and now nobody's ever going to mess with him again because he just threw these three guys in the furnace. But he's about to be tripped up. This is all about the change because all of a sudden he sees a, a fourth walking in the midst of the fire. And the appearance is, is like a son of the gods. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, there's three things that are happening here. First, they're, they're in the middle of the furnace. They're middle, in the middle of this red-hot, blazing, fiery furnace. And they're not hurt. They're alive. And they aren't bound by their ropes anymore. The ropes have disintegrated, been burned off in the fire, and they're now freely walking around. And they're thinking, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're not alone. Who is this fourth person? Who is this fourth person with the appearance of the son of the, like a son of the gods standing in the fiery furnace with them? There's a lot of controversy, a lot of debate on, on who this fourth person is. King Nebuchadnezzar says it's, it's like a son of the gods. We can't really trust his interpretation because he's a pagan polytheistic king. He, he believes in multiple gods. He believes in many gods. This isn't the, the, some random son of, of some pagan god. There's a lot of debate, a lot of controversy. It, it's not a, a random son of the pagan gods. It's, it's either an angel sent by God, this fourth person, or it's actually the son of God, Christ. There's a lot of debate, and, uh, and I believe this, this is a Christophany. This is, this is Jesus Christ appearing, showing up in the Old Testament. Oh, wait a minute. I never learned Jesus in the Old Testament in Sunday school. Like, Jesus in, in the Old Testament? Really? Like, I thought he was the New Testament guy. Like, Jesus, seriously, in the Old Testament? John 1, verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he, the Word, was in the beginning with God. John says very clear, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But who's the Word? He's telling us that the word is equal to God. The word is God. But who is the word? Who is this person, the word he's talking about? Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if we put these two verses together, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we know from verse one that the word is equal to God. The word equals God. But then in verse 14, we know that the word became flesh. So when did the word, when did God become flesh and dwell among us? Jesus. See, when Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem, he wasn't, he wasn't just created. Jesus has always existed since eternity passed in perfect unity and harmony within the Trinity. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Even Jesus himself tells us in John 8, 58, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. I am here. I am existing. And so if we think about the Trinity, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus the Son, if we think about the Trinity, God the Father is a non-material being. God is a, a spirit, a spirit without a body. 
The Holy Spirit is also a spirit. But God the Son, God Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, was the God able to take on flesh, God able to have the body, God able to have an appearance of a person being fully God and fully man at the same time. And so my point is, whenever the Old Testament portrays God showing up in the appearance, the body, the form, the figure of a person, when God shows up in the Old Testament as a person, that is, as Jesus. It's not an immaterial being without a body. It's, it's an actual body, God himself, holy God, holy man. Genesis 3 says, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. Can a non-material being, a, a being without a body, can a spirit make the sound of footsteps? No. Later in, in Genesis chapter 3, it says that Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they realized that they were naked. And so the Lord God sacrificed and killed an animal and made garments, made clothes for them to wear. Can a spirit, a, a non-material being without a body, kill and sacrifice and, and sew together clothes? No. In Genesis 32, it says that Jacob wrestled in the tent with a man and had seen God face to face. Can a spirit without a body wrestle? No. Joshua 5, standing before the city of Jericho, a man with a sword introduced himself as the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua, realizing he was in the presence of holiness, fell to the ground, took off his sandals, bowed down and worshiped. You don't worship angels. But can God, as a spirit, have a sword in his hand? No. When the Old Testament shows that, that God himself comes here to earth in the form, the appearance, the, the body of a person, the Old Testament portrays that not as a spirit, a non-material being without a body, but, but as an actual person, as God with flesh, as God Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus in the Old Testament. So when King Nebuchadnezzar sees this fourth person with the appearance, the, the form, the, the body, the, the image, which looks like a son of the gods, well, his theology is, is totally wrong because this isn't some pagan son of the gods. It's the son of God. It's, it's the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The Old Testament doesn't know the name Jesus, but it does know the name Messiah. And Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Savior, the anointed one who is going to come and rescue Israel from their sins and deliver them, from deliver them to salvation. So right here in Daniel chapter 3, God himself is showing up as a form, the appearance, the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and delivering Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace from the hand of, of King Nebuchadnezzar. I, I just love the Bible. Jesus in the Old Testament. The, uh, the temple of Jerusalem has been torn down, it's been plundered, it's been robbed, it's been desecrated by Babylon. The, the presence of God has left the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. And now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the, the enemy, in the, the captive territory of, of Babylon, and God himself, God's presence comes and stands with them. Here where the presence of God has been removed from the Holy of Holies, and now the presence of God, Jesus, is standing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. 
And in the Old Testament, there was a fear that that standing in the presence of God could kill you. And so the, the great high priest only one time a year would walk into the Holy of Holies. And when he walked in there to make a sacrifice, he had a rope tied onto his leg because he thought, and everyone thought, there is a chance standing in God's presence, I could instantly die. So there's this fear in the Old Testament of standing in the presence of God. And here, the presence of God comes and stands with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And I think you really find out where people are at when, when life takes a turn from the worst. You know, when, you're, when your upside goes downside, your, your inside comes outside. See, when you're upside, when things are going good, you're having a great day, and I just love life, all of a sudden goes downside, is not so good anymore, is a bad day. Your inside, who you are, your DNA, your convictions, what you've built your life upon all of a sudden comes outside. It's, it's the confirmation of who you are. It's your, your testimony. It's, it's who you are expressing yourself. And, and how would you respond if, if someone came to you with a threat of physical harm because of your faith? In the past 2,000 years of, of Christian church history, it's estimated that 70 million uh, Christians, 70 million followers of, of Christ have been martyred, have been persecuted, and died for their faith. 70 million. But here's the kicker. In the last 100 years, 45 million Christians have been persecuted for their faith. So that means from the time of Jesus, zero, until 1900, that number added together is less than the number of Christians who have been persecuted and died for their faith in the last 100 years. 45 million Christians have died in the last 100 years, from 1900 to 2000. 45 million. That's the state of Texas and the state of New York combined. My point is, persecution, martyrdom, suffering for Christ, I, I don't think it's really a thing of the past. It seems to actually be be getting worse. Countries like Indonesia, Bangladesh, India, Nigeria, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Vietnam, China, cities facing suffering and persecution. You know, are, are we ready for, for persecution? It's not a question I like, but it's a question in the text that if we have a biblical perspective of end times, the, the world is actually becoming worse. Conflict is increasing. Tension is getting worse. The world around us is increasing in sin and suffering. How far are we willing to go for our faith? When your upside goes downside, your inside comes outside. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they chose to live for God with conviction. They chose to stand for God as confirmation. And third, they chose to trust God with confidence. Verse 26, then Shadrach, uh, I'm sorry, uh, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors, all the smart people, gathered together, and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. I mean, something has happened here. 
not the hair of their heads was singed, not the, the skin on their feet was burned, not even a smell of fire on their clothes. I don't think these, these clothes these guys were wearing ever, ma- ever made it to the goodwill pile. I'm thinking when they put on these jeans, when they put on their cloaks, their tunics, their garments, I'm thinking they remembered, I stood in a fire with these clothes. And I stood with the, the presence of God in these clothes. I'm thinking that this has to have been encouraging for, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as, as Christ, as Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, came and stood with them in the midst of the fire. I love the, the image of, of if you're willing to stand for God, Jesus is willing to stand with you. And what that would have meant for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't know that going into the fire. They were expecting death. But God showed up. They had trust. They had confidence in God. Verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, still speaking from his polytheistic worldview, we would say sent his son, Jesus, and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. And therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. Literally, their houses will become a pile of poo. Their houses will be made into a dunghill. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And then King Nebuchadnezzar promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they, they trusted God with, with absolute confidence. They, they knew ultimately God was the one who was in the control of their situation I mean, God could have softened King Nebuchadnezzar's heart, but God didn't. God could arrange their day, maybe like Daniel, so they were back at the palace and not out at this golden image, but, but God didn't. If Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, if they weren't caught in this situation, God would never have had the opportunity to show himself big. And I think Nebuchadnezzar had, had set up this, this golden image, but God is the one who set up this entire story. Not only knowing the, the pickle he placed these guys in, but, but the outcome of, of what would happen. God knew he, he didn't make it easy on these three. Do you have confidence that, that God can use a terrible, a horrific situation and the faithful witness of a few believers to have a miraculous impact on, on many unbelievers who are watching what's going on? And God didn't didn't save Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego from the fire. God saved them in the fire. He allowed them to go through this, this life-terrible situation, this, this incredible conflict. And, and because God did that, his glory was so much greater. By allowing these three thrown into the fire, God was able to receive so much more glory and recognition and praise and honor than allowing them to, to escape or get away from it. You know, life is, is not safe. Uh, life is not comfortable and, and manageable and, and convenient and, and easy. Uh, life is filled with problems. We all know that. Life is, is filled with conflict and tension and trouble and hardship and heartache. And what is it? What is it for you today? What, what is the, the pickle you're going through right now? 
marriage a mess? A rebellious child, stress at work, health problems, financial problems, addictions, anxiety, relational, physical, emotional. What, what is the, the problem? What is the situation going through right now? Because we're depraved, we live in a fallen world, sin is enticing, and, and Satan wants to trip us up and wreck the entire rest of our life. And see, God could show up now. God could show up right now and in a second rescue you, save you, deliver you from those problems. But if he doesn't, how are you going to use your situation to bring the greater glory to God? How are you going to use what's going on in your life to to make God known to others? How are you going to use your upside when it goes downside, your inside to show others on the outside? See, I think the question is really how much confidence do, do we, how much confidence do I have in, in God, in, in his rule over my life? Does, does God really know what he's doing? Does God really have it all figured out? I mean, does, does God have a plan? Does he get it? Does God see me and, and everything I'm going through and, and all that I'm up against, does, does God see it? I mean, sometimes it's just like, hey, God, look at, look at me. I'm, I'm over here. Uh, psst, that, have you forgot about me? Uh, God, I really want to trust you in this situation, but I, I really want to be con- in control. Have you ever been there? Questioning, wondering, wrestling through, God, God, where are you at? God reveals himself in so many ways, but, but there are times where I think God conceals himself, and God is silent and quiet, and God is not hidden, but... In this situation, God, where are you at? question is, how much confidence do, do you really have that, that God is, is ruling? Daniel 3, it's not about the heroism of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's, it's about the testimony they brought to the king and the beginnings of the changing in King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's still pagan. He's still proud. He's still polytheistic. He hasn't been converted, but he's now thinking. And he's just now seeing God show up. And, and do we have as much confidence in God as King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar has? Verse 29, there is no other God who's able to rescue in this way. And is that true for us? There, there is no other God who can rescue me from my problems, my addictions, my, my life of sin. There is no other God. There is no other thing. There is nothing else that can save me or rescue me or deliver me. There, there's nothing else because God rules, and God rules in our life, and God rules in our situations, and God rules the universe. It's all his, made by him, for him. How is God ruling right now? I hope we have the same confidence that that Nebuchadnezzar has. There is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Let's pray. Father God, we trust you. Uh, God, we have to trust you. We we cannot trust ourselves. There is nothing in us that, that we can trust. And so we must look to you for all help, for for answers. God, we, we must look to you for, for all of the needs of, of life because, God, you are the only one who can sustain us, who can save us, who can rescue us, who can deliver us. God, there's times we just need to, to step back and just let you rule and let you be God. 
and not dethrone you as, as God and become the own gods of our life. God, we, we need you. We need your greatness. We need your love. We need your mercy and forgiveness. We, we need you every day. God, I pray we would let you rule in a great way, that we can use our testimony of what you're doing in us for your glory. God, show up and make yourself known. Trust in you. Amen.